Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to The Art of Kindness, where we have compassionate conversations with artists from all areas of the entertainment industry who are using their voice to spread joy and make this big spinning planet in the sky a better place to be. I'm Robert Peter Paul, and I'm so glad you're here. Happy Halloween! (laughs) Thank you for choosing to spend part of this magical day with us here at the Art of Kindness podcast. Should you want to treat your ears to more spooktacular episodes, we've compiled a whole list of interviews on our Art of Kindness pod Instagram page with kind talent like Halloween Town's Kimberly J. Brown. (laughs) To our two-part interview with Hocus Pocus creator David Kirshner. Speaking of hocus pocus, trick or treat, we have a simply marvelous conversation for you with the costume designer of Hocus Pocus 2, Salvador Perez. Salvador Perez boasts a glittering resume of diverse projects. Born and raised in Central California, Perez moved to Los Angeles to attend the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, where he could pursue his dream of fashion design. As soon as other costume designers discovered his costume manufacturing talents, he began running the costume workshops and assisting on films like Titanic, The Flintstones, and Barbed Wire. Salvador has since designed for TV series like Castle, Moonlight, Veronica Mars, and six seasons of Mindy Kaling's The Mindy Project, where he was nominated for an Emmy for costume design. He has also worked on some of your favorite movies like the Pitch Perfect series, Think Like a Man 1 and 2, Men of Honor, and Drumline. Outside of film and TV, Salvador designed and developed the Movie Legends line for the J. Peterman catalog, a line of jewelry for Bobble Bar, and designed a signature line of colorful coats for Glit.com. Impressively, Salvador is also currently the elected president of the Costume Designers Guild where he oversees the union of professional costume designers and illustrators working in film, television, commercials, and more. Of course, it's Halloween, so we're here to focus on Salvador's latest masterpiece, Hocus Pocus 2. If you're an avid AOK listener, you know by now that my obsession for all things Hocus Pocus runs deeper than the Forbidden Forest. <laughs> Salvador took on the design challenge of bringing the Sanderson sisters and Billy Butcherson back to life nearly three decades later alongside a host of new colorful characters for Disney's highly anticipated sequel, which has been breaking streaming records on Disney Plus this Halloween. 
During our chat, we discuss how he put his own magical spin on the franchise while still paying homage to the original cult classic, acts of kindness on set from stars like Bette Midler during brisk night shoots on Rhode Island, the fantastical alternate ending to Hocus Pocus 2 that we wished happened, and much more. As always, please stay tuned after the interview for your kindness tip of the week with me, and maybe a special guest. I'd also love if you gave us a treat this Halloween by leaving a five-star review or sharing our show with a friend. <laughs> now, without further ado, please enjoy our conversation with the spooktacular Salvador Perez. You look so cool. I like your glasses. Thanks. And I'm, I'm worried about this reflection, but sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. I love it. Oh, a nice Hocus Pocus poster in the background. Thank I don't you even very have much. one. Really? <laughs> no, I need to get one. We got to get you one. I've been on location, so it's probably at home. I just haven't, haven't been home for a while. Oh, nice. What are you working on now? I'm working on another Disney movie called Dashing Through the Snow. It's a Christmas movie. So I went from Halloween to Christmas for Disney. Oh, what a cool career. Look at that. <laughs> You're running the gamut. Although yeah. it would be cool if we got like a Hocus Pocus Christmas movie, you know, if they infiltrated well, that holiday. You know, they can, you know, because again, both of them have done been on Halloween. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish you could see because we just had a Hocus Pocus 2 screening party. And so our apartment is like decked out with I got the sisters right here. I mean, it's insane how much we love this movie and how glorious your work was on Hocus Pocus 2. Thank so you so much. I want to congratulate you because Hocus Pocus is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like so many people, I'm not unique there. Like mine too. I mean, I'm not just a designer. I'm a fan. I mean, I've watched Hocus Pocus before I was a costume designer. So, you know. <laughs> well, it, it honestly shows because your work is so dazzling in that it not only honors the original, but you struck that beautiful balance of paying homage like you talked about and also kind of putting your own spin on it and making it even more grounded, you know? I cannot... Thank you enough for that, because it was daunting. I was, I mean, I was really afraid because it's like, first off, you know, Mary Vote, the original costume designer, is a friend of mine. I mean, mm. I, we both serve on the board of the Costume Designers Guild. We've sat across from each other for years. Um, when I got the call for the film, the first person I called was her. I'm like, uh, am I interviewing against you? And she's like, no, 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 I'm, I don't want to do it. I, you know, it's, I had my ideas. I let somebody else design it. And then we mm. sort of talked about it and she gave me her blessing. Um I think I was the only person that called her because it's like, you know, you don't take out a project like that without, you know, talking to the, to the icon herself, Mary Vogt. And, um, and in my meeting with Anne and, 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 and uh, Lynn Harris, the producer and the director, um, I was so well-versed in Hocus Pocus that they were blown away by details that I gave them. They're like, we didn't mm. know that. So I think that's kind of one of the reasons I got the job is because they knew that I knew this project inside and out. What a blessing for the actors, too, because you put in so many details that I was reading about and that I saw on screens at some points that were just a little different, but probably grounded their performances. And so you were an integral character throughout this. <laughs> <You're so kind. laughs> but, you know, we are here today to talk about kindness. And I think one of the ways people show kindness is through telling people how they feel and giving them compliments, which I could do again to you for like an hour so I could keep going. But before I do... I would love to know, how are you at receiving compliments? Do you feel like you're pretty good at um, it? I, you know, it's it's something that we have to get used to. And it's like, I always tell people, it's like, just say thank you. You don't have to respond, just say thank you. Mm. Um, because, and also listen, like, um, you don't brush things off. I mean, like, I, again, I'm, I've been so intimidated about doing this. And so to hear from fans like you who love the film, that you you like what I did, 
is just, it fills my heart with joy because I was so worried about pleasing the fans. And so to hear that, just, I cannot thank you. It, it means a lot. It really means a lot. Oh, well, honestly, you made the Sanderson sisters come back and better than ever. They were so bright and so saturated, but it looked like it was, it was still paying homage to the original. I mean, I could just go on and on, but you know, we are here to talk about kindness in your career. So to kind of unlock that door, I would love to know what does kindness mean to you? How would you define it? I mean, I think it's sort of, it, kindness goes so far in the world. I think that people don't try to help each other enough. I mean, I know that even as a costume designer, we're very competitive because if I get the job, you didn't. Mm. Um, and I was on the board of the Costume Designers Guild for years because I wanted to make a difference. I joined the guild and I didn't like necessarily like the direction we were going in. And I thought you can complain or you can be an active participant. Mm. So when I thought we needed to have a directory, I said, well, let me help on the directory. When I when we talked about having a website, they're like, well, we don't have a website. I'm like, yes, we do. Like, it's too much work. I'm like, I'll, I'll do the work. <laughs> so I built, on, I'm not even the president of the guild, but 20 years ago. I know, casual. I, right. I mean, I built our first website myself with a, with a web developer and I scanned every image for every costume designer that was on the website. Wow. So they all got to know me. And then when I ran for board, I was the highest vote getter because they're like, oh, that's the guy that's doing our website. So it's like taking care of my fellow costume designers. I want all, all of us to be stronger and more united. And I thought, well, then let's unite us. Mm. When I ran for presidency, my my goal was to buy a building because we needed a place to commune um, that had parking, that had big enough space for to have parties. And, and, and so um, I, you know, even our membership, you know, people attendance at our membership meetings have, has grown because I made the party, the, the meetings fun and we have cocktail parties. And then of course the pandemic happened and we were doing all these joining. And then of course it sort of slowed down, but now that the pandemic is waning, we're like starting to get together again. It's about supporting each other. Like mm. all of my friends and I, like you know, we support each other on social media and, and, you know, we, we, we repost when somebody has a great project out. It's about a community of costume designers and, and just supporting each other and showing love for each other's work. Cause it's mm. not just that, you got this job, I didn't. But hey, you got that job, and you did an amazing job on it. Um, you know, let's support, let's celebrate that. That's so beautiful. And that was a question I had for you too, as the president, which is such an esteemed title. And I'm so glad you have it because you're just this really sparkling person who I've heard is so kind. To we have some mutual friends, and I just hear you're always leading with such kindness and treating people with respect, and not only good at your job, but just a good person, which I think is more important, obviously, at the end of the day. And so, you know, it's so great to hear that. Do you think as the president, that was kind of your number one mission to make more a sense of a community and, and lifting each other up? It was literally my whole goal as president. I mean, um, as like I said, as costume designers, we're solitary. There might be 20 customers on the department, but there's one costume designer. Mm. Um, and years ago, I was doing a project because normally you're, you're solitary. You're in your office and there's a bunch of crew on you. I did a project at Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers has a suite of costume design offices. And so there was a costume designer in every office. Lynn Paolo, Robin Lewis West, Luke Reichley. Um, and sometimes you have a question and as opposed to like, you know, who do I call? You're like, you stick your head out the one you're like, hey, has anybody seen black jumpsuits? <laughs> or, we, you know, a rap would come through and like, oh my God, where did you get those dresses? And I loved that commune we had of other costume designers. I'm like, I thrive off of this mm. and we all thrive off of this. How do we make more of this? And then when I decided to run for president, I'm like, we need to have, own our own building and it has to have a meeting space that we can use. And so we, and I saw like, even when we built the building, I'm like, let's put in a really expensive projection system so we can have movie nights and let's make sure there's parking and so we can have parties and cocktail parties. And I'm so proud of the fact that 
I think that as costume designers or my presidency over the last 10 years, we have really become a stronger community. Mm. And that, I mean, that was my goal. And so to that, to have achieved it is just so satisfying. That's so fun because in the arts, it is, it's such a collaboration. And at the end of the day, we all kind of have these dreams as kids. And so getting back to that and kind of building the playground where we can all just play together and support each other is, is really, really beautiful. And I have so much respect for what you do. I mean, as an actor, it's not until I put on the costume that I actually feel like the character. That's such an integral part of storytelling. I mean, a huge part, obviously. And you've had such an incredible career from Pitch Perfect, which my friend Shelly, you know Shelly Regner, right? Yes. Yes, to Never Have I Ever. I mean, such incredible projects that you've worked on. So before we get to Hocus Pocus 2, I would just love to hear if you have any stories about acts of kindness that stand out to you from your career or even a specific person that you feel like really championed you and and changed your journey you know i it it's my career has always been about a personal recommendation um and it's funny like you those little decisions that you go left or right you know red pill blue pill Mm. um i was on veronica mars and it was third season such a good show Um, and i was just sort of bored i was like i've done everything i can you know what can i do with this and then i got a call to to meet on a movie um, called The Comebacks. And normally I read the script and then I decide whether I want the meeting. Well, the script came in late and I had to have the meeting. So I got home like 11 o'clock at night and my meeting was the next day at 10. And I read the script and it was like this weird sports movie. I'm like, I'm not doing a weird sports movie. <laughs> I called my agent in the morning. I'm like, I'm not going to this meeting. She's like, so you can't just not show up. That's really unprofessional. Just go take the meeting. I'm like, okay, I don't want to do this weird sports movie. So I go to the meeting and I normally do a presentation. You always go in with a presentation, talk about it. But A, I got the meeting at night and B, I didn't want to do the movie. So <laughs> I went to the meeting. I'm like, I'm so sorry I don't have a presentation, but here's my portfolio. And the director said, I don't need a presentation. Your work is your presentation. And he then listed off the projects I had done and specific costumes in each film. And I'm like, oh, I, I like this guy. Yeah. His name is Tom Brady. I'm like, I kind of want to work for them. And so I took the job and it was a fun design job. And I met some great people on it. But the line producer on that, um, Linda, then produced um, uh, Zach and Mary Make a Porno. Ah, I love that movie. And again, so I get the call and I'm like, it's called, and I couldn't read a script because it's a Kevin Smith movie and it's all very secretive. Mm. And I'm like, I'm not designing a movie called Kevin Zach and Mary Make a Porno. She's like, no, 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 it's a comedy. Don't, you know, but she's like, meet Kevin. And if he likes you, we'll get you a script. So I went to the meeting with Kevin and we have a fabulous meeting. And he calls out to his office, he's like, get Sal a script. And then the secretary's like, what? She's like, get Sal a script. And he's like, okay. So I got the script and I went off and the producer called me. She's like, wow. I'm like, well, what? She's like, well, you must have really impressed Kevin because he gave you a script that day. That never happens. Wow. On Zach and Mary Megaparno, I met Elizabeth Banks. Yes. And then Elizabeth Banks started to direct. And so she did a short for uh, a PSA for American Heart Association. And then she directed a couple of pieces in a movie 43. So Elizabeth kept calling me. And then when she produced um, Pitch Perfect, she called me in to, to meet with the director and he hired me. Mm. And then, of course, Mindy Kaling saw Pitch Perfect and realized, saw that I had dressed all these different women and that I could all different sizes. And she said, well, if he can do them, he can do me. Mm-hmm. Had I not taken the meeting back from Veronica Mars, it wouldn't have led me to uh, Elizabeth Banks, who recommended me to Ann Fletcher, the director mm. of Hocus Pocus. Wow. So it's very, there's so many opportunities in your life. Take them. You never know what that's going to lead to because it was over a decade from Zachary McPorto to Hocus Pocus. But the fact that 
those little steps and the personal connections and me being hopefully a good person and a good designer led them to recommend me. But it's like, you never know where one door opens and where that's going to lead you to later on. Mm, you really don't. That's such wonderful advice. Everybody rewind that, listen to that again, <laughs> write it down. I'm going to write it on my wall. I'm going to write it on my face when I look in the mirror, too much information. But I think that's really beautiful. And what strikes me too is, you know, just speaking of pitch perfect, do you feel like that was maybe the first film where you started to see such an impact with your designs because people dress up as those girls for Halloween. I mean, I know there's so many politics with costume designers and the Halloween costumes that get made. And I want you guys to get the credit and all that, but just as an artist, are you like, Oh wow. Like my work is, is touching people. It's very funny to see interpretations of your costume design on people. Like I, even like little things, like I did a show called um, party down. Yes. Costume, white t-shirt, pink bow tie. I was on Boulevard in West Hollywood one year and this tree, this group of people are walking by in white shirts, pink watches. And I'm like, oh my God, party down. And, you, know, you're, you know, I'm in some weird costumes. So like, who the hell is this guy? But it was just great to see your costumes off of that. But it, it's just, it's funny because there's this very weird cosmic thing going on right now. It's 2022. It is the 10 year anniversary of Think Like a Man. It is the 10 year anniversary of Pitch Perfect One. And it is the 10 year anniversary of the Mindy Project. And the mm. biggest movie of my career has just come out. So it's funny. Like, I didn't even realize what I did. <gasps> a decade and 10 ago. plus 10 is 10 is 30. And it's been 30 years since Hocus Pocus. Yes. <laughs> There's something very, and I'm like, okay, universe, you're trying to give me a message and I'm trying to be open to it. But it's just to, to, to sit back as a costume designer. And also it's the 10th, I've been, I've been the president of the Costume Designers Guild for, for nine years now, and I'm passing the baton on to the next president this week. Oh, congratulations. So all these milestones in my career. And if, if that's what the last 10 years look like, I can't even imagine what the next 10 years will be. Mm, I can't wait to see Sal. You're definitely in the right place. You're doing what you're meant to do. You're touching us all. You're storytelling in such a beautiful medium without even saying a word, which I think is so cool about costumes is that there's not even a word said and yet it tells a story. That's what I always say is that as a yeah. costume, we're storytellers and you have to know so much about a character before they open their mouth. The first time you see them, you have to know so much about them and that's really a major part of costume design. Mm. Well, speaking of costumes and Halloween, you know, you can't throw a Hershey's kiss on Halloween without seeing somebody dressed as the Sanderson sisters or somebody from Hocus Pocus. And I know we touched on it a little bit before and that you got advice from your wonderful friend, Mary, who did the original designs on Hocus Pocus one. Uh, it's so cool to say Hocus Pocus one now because we have two. <laughs> so how, how did you go about striking that balance? Like what was the your first thought? Did it ever even cross your mind to have them have totally new costumes or were you like, no, we oh, got to no, find. No. I mean, I, it's funny. I, I, I need to go pull out the, cause there was probably a dozen sketches done for each lady before wow. we, we ended up, we like, we, we loved elements of details, but we just kept coming back to like, we can't change the silhouette. The silhouette has to stay the same, um, but we can change the details. And so um, we, we, it would have, and I, and and looking back at it, like even as I was doing the other versions of them, they didn't feel right. They just mm. felt like it was not honoring the costume because, and there's also, there's this thing. It's like, we turned of like, again, we added a backstory to it all. The first, the witches were hanged and they were buried in their costumes. So when they were brought back the first time, they were brought back in those costumes. Mm. At the end of the last movie, they disintegrated. So those clothes disintegrated. So mm. when they came back, there was, there was a rationale to making new costumes because they had to go to purgatory. And of course they didn't have a photo of their costume. So they went to their tailors and they're like, make my costume. <laughs> so they gave them detail, you know, like and literally these are the conversations we had in the shop. It's so fun. Unlike Billy Butcherson, 
who went straight back into his grave in his costume. I did. I tried not to change anything. Mm. We tried to you, make it. Oh, as you I nailed did. it. You nailed. Yeah, you nailed and that. Even to the point, like, because um, David Kirshner, the producer, has a Billy Butcherson on display in his house. So I got to I go to know. and had a fabulous afternoon with him. And just it was he's such an incredible man. But Isn't he had he the, the best. He was just on this pod, so I I saw the Billy behind him when we were yes, yes. when we were talking. So I got to like look at it and take close ups of the buttons and 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 the fabric, and then and I was able to I, like I had I knew what fabric I wanted to use for the coat, and I knew this the trims on it. But the vest fabric I couldn't find. I could nowhere could I find that one-on-one stripe. So I found some fabric that was the same coloring, but the stripes were four inches apart. Mm. So God bless, I bought 20 yards of it and I had my cutter fitters to cut it up and re-sew it so the stripes were closer and then make the vest. Those mm. are the details we put into this. Wow. I know I was reading all about that and, and how you distressed it and, and you had, I mean, I'm sure even more, but there were at least two for him because there was the headless look. And they, were so, they were so laborious that we only made two, we could only do two because it was just, they, wow. they were, you know, the, 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 the making it was the easy part. It was the distressing and we like distressed it and it was way too dark. So we had to strip it off and start all over mm. again. Um, and then there was the headless version. And Tony Gardner, who did the original makeup, came back to do it. And he was the one that came up with the rig. So you have, you know, six foot four, six foot five, Doug, Doug Jones. And there was a little tiny woman who's like five foot one, who's in the headless version, who had the rig on with shoulders that, you know, the sh- and so you had to then make the jacket with a really deep arms eye so that the shoulder, it was just, it was an engineering masterpiece. Wow. That's incredible. It looks so great on screen. And you can't, it's almost, it's really seamless. And, that, and then, you know, she had like the really skinny leg. I mean, because Doug is a very particular portion. Yeah. So trying to get anybody to fit into his little body was hard, but it's, <laughs> I mean, Tony Gardner is a genius. Oh, he is such a genius. I mean, so many geniuses worked on, you know, the sequel, and, but of course the original as well. And so when you're looking back at those designs, even in conversations with Mary, but I'm sure even more so with the cast, you know, with, with Bette and Sarah and Kathy, were there things you knew you wanted to tweak that, weren't a miss the first time, but something just to make them more comfortable in the costumes. Like, did they have input in that regard? Yeah, I mean, like, like the note from from Kathy is that the costume was so heavy and that she wanted to be able to move. Because, you know, they, there was a lot of heavy tapestries and heavy fabrics. She's mm. like, please make it lighter. She's like, I have a bad back. I can't walk around in that all day long. Um, you know, we uh, she has she had a, uh, she had hurt her ankle. So we custom made the boots to her that look because in the movie she has shoes. She has like a man's pilgrim shoe. Mm. I made a custom boot that looked like it with the same buckle that were custom made so that gave her ankle support. So <laughs> it was also about comfort. And then, you know, Bet's 77 years old and we're shooting this in the dead of winter outside. So like keep her warm. So mm. all the layers possible. And then their vet, their capes was that very, very fine silk hop tie. I mean, Mary was a genius to come up with that in the first place because they just, that was it. It sort of floated beautifully. Yeah. So I, and they don't even make that weight of habitat anymore. It's like they, because it's so delicate. So I had to get a little bit heavier weight that we then distressed so that it was a little lighter, but they just moved beautifully, but they were so thin. So they didn't really give them any um, warmth protection. So there's a whole, we, we had like eight versions of everything, but one of the versions had cashmere linings in the capes. Wow. So if they were just walking around, you can't see it, but there's cashmere under the, the silk habitat to keep them warm. <gasps> That's brilliant. Because I did a set visit. I was there for two of the days where where you guys shot the big musical number. Oh, really? It was freezing. Yeah, we we didn't was, get to meet, but that was, was the first. That was the first week. Like their first day of, of their first perf- the day on set was walking through the um, festival and then singing. At, mm. You know, or in the morning. 
Yeah. And all the people from Rhode Island, all the locals were like rallied oh, around hiding. They were so people were so excited. They were dressed up, not even extras, just standing behind the stanchion. And everyone was so kind, the crew and all the locals. But they were like, please, please don't take pictures and film. But like you can stay and of here. Course, it was out instantly. I know. And well, and, you know, a lot of it was culminated, which I think actually added to the anticipation of the movie by our friend Hocus Pocus Guide, who I think, yes. you know, right. I think at first the studio was sort of like, oh, no, because they would they would literally post locations, which was sort mm. of scary. Yeah. Um, but I think they learned to embrace it because it really he did really love the show and you know, he, I think that you're right. He, he built, he personally built so much anticipation for the project. Yeah. He's such a great guy. I was messaging him before we had this, just to see if he had any last minute questions. So he kind of like puts them into my brain. But one of the ones that we were really wondering about was after reading about all the Easter eggs that you put in the costumes, specifically the Sanderson sisters and grounding them, is there one you think people won't notice in the final film that you just really love the backstory for? No, I've, I I thought that there'd be things that I'd have to reveal, but the audience is so good. They've so picked up. They've really, I mean, again, I didn't want it to be obnoxious, so it was very subtle and liberal with them. I wanted just a few of them, but yeah. every little detail people have noticed. I mean, it's it's funny, you know, because I go through um, the comments on social media and they really pick things up. And, and even subtle details that we put, they, they really noticed. Like, oh, yeah. Dressing the three young, you know, Becca, Izzy, and Cassie in the witch's colors. I tried to be very subtle with that. I did not want it to be a bright green or, you know, it was very subtle. And it took a minute. And it's very funny when somebody points it out, like there are 10 comments like, oh my God, I didn't notice it. So you realize that like 10% of it got it instantly. Uh-huh. And they had to reveal it to everybody else. Mm, it's perfect. Yeah, when I, I put out a tweet saying you were coming on and that was one of the questions I got was, was it supposed to be like that? Because even their hairstyles, like it's so subtle uh, that again. Was, that, but... was a, that was a note from Ann Fletcher. Ann Fletcher really, I mean, like all of the great details really are from Ann. Ann sort of like mm. gave me a little you know, a, a inspiration. And then I took, and I took it. I mean, cause even trying to like, even when we did, you know, Cassie in the tie dye t-shirt, I'm like, Oh, it's Max. And then as I was putting together, cause it was supposed to be, you see her at school and then you see her in her Halloween costume. And then you see her later on, she's supposed to be in pajamas ready to go to bed. So that really is pajamas. I'm like, you know, it's a t-shirt and sweats. Yeah. But then she put on a sweater and then the sweater came out. I'm like, Oh my God, I've just combined Max and, and Allison. Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> but again, that was, you know, it was like, it, it was like, it wasn't intentional until the fitting. I'm like, oh, this works. <laughs> and a little, here's a little tidbit. In the original script, because, you know, um, Mike is a football player and all the cheerleaders, you don't really see them in the movie now, but we did zombie versions of football players and cheerleaders. And they wanted Cassie to be a cheerleader. I'm like, Cassie is too cool. She would never be a cheerleader. She would probably be like, no, I'm going to be a referee. Mm. And so that's why I decided to make her a referee and not a cheerleader. Because I think she was, you know, she was still the cool kid. She was never going to dress up as a cheerleader because her friends would have eaten her alive. <laughs> but I, that was my, I'm like, I want to make her a ref. Still, it still goes with a football player, but she's cooler than the kids who want to be a cheerleader. Mm, wow, that's so cool. It didn't even cross my mind why she would be dressed that way. I was just like, oh, cool. She's at a fun party wearing that. So it's cool that even that has such a, a backstory. And then, of course, you know, we get to see the devil, the callback to the devil and his wife from the first film, which was so much fun. And I even saw the mom Madonna's in the crowd. Are there more in the crowd? That we... And that's Anne's least favorite costume. She hated that costume. Oh, my gosh. But Lynn, Lynn Harris was like, no, we love that costume. And so I'm like, I'm going to put her on a dancer. Yes. Um, but I, and, I, and I wanted to do the dad, too. But I thought that's pushing it. It's like you, it, there's, it, there's a fine line with like a Madonna costume, but the Madonna and the father would have been a little weird. Yeah. So there was together. a lot of vampires in the background. <laughs> yeah. We did it. The one vampire who had a small part in the school, the, the friend where they were like, yeah. he's Gilbert, uh, not Gilbert. Um, I forget his name. Sorry. Maybe Victor. 
I don't know. I can't remember his name either. <laughs> Did you design any that you feel like we didn't get to see that were kind of like you saw combo? most of it? I mean, like the uh, like the, I remember the Supremes um, being in the background of the first one, and so I found three dresses, and I love that we only had two women, and then then there was a boy. I'm like, um, would you mind? Because it was the dresses had to fit. I'm like, would you mind being a Supreme? And he loved it. He was like, yes. And he'd never done drag before. And we put him in drag. He had the he was like the best dancer. I was like, but it was just funny to like, you know, hey, would you mind wearing a dress? And he, you know, the the I think the extras had so much fun. I mean, oh, I'm sure. And and even like what we because we had that Tanner Sister costume contest and we had those versions of them. And it was just sort of funny because a lot of those costumes are were inspired by the versions of the costumes, like the three drag um uh sisters was actually designs I had done for as options for the three sisters. Wow. So I'm like, I said, I, I, that's what I said. I was going to do this sort of more uh, six, 17th century dresses on them. And it just didn't make sense on Winnie. Mm. But it that was so funny to go over the top and do them on the drag queens. How cool is it that you got to use them in the end? Yeah. That's that's so incredible. I love that. Yeah, we had a friend that was a dancer in one of the scenes and was just saying it was so much fun and it was so celebratory and everyone was such a fan. Really, did you really think that after the 20th day of shooting that at night? <laughs> you know, it's probably a little bit like childbirth where once the movie's out and you watch it, you have a yeah. different recollection of the the nights that you were just standing there freezing, go away, but maybe. I mean, they danced. I mean, we did that for days and days and days. And then we like came back and shot the over. I mean, it was just those poor dancers. They, I mean, their shoes probably wore out. That <laughs> was so epic well speaking of shoes i know sometimes with musical movies you even have to make different shoes for when they're dancing you know maybe the, the three sisters needed them and i was reading how you fashioned like you just said the shoes because in the first film with bet's character you know winnie the shoes just kind of had a like a, a point plopped on but you yeah, made them it was a 90s boot probably from steve madden and they put the point on it and i'm like yeah. uh -uh. and so i Not went today. western <laughs> costume and Maurizio, the cobbler there, Maurizio has been there for 30, 40 years. And he had made Bet's shoes for like um, for, for the boys. And he, you know, he had worked with them before. And um, it was very expensive. Oh, yeah. Expensive to custom make those shoes. And the last part of it was very expensive. Well, again, continuity in the universe. The Heidi um, uh, Bet's stunt double was yeah. the exact same size shoe. <gasps> I didn't have to make a second last. I just had to make multiples of the same shoes. I mean, it was like, okay, universe, thank you. That's amazing. Wow, look at that. She did such a great job. All the stunt people. I love seeing their behind the scenes videos. And I think there is, right? There is a shoe shot. That's infamous shoe shot. Is there yes, one? In yes. yes, there is. Was that, did she need that again? Or was it like- I, I mean, I don't even know if that's really true. <laughs> is that just a legend? I don't know. People talk about just, that I so much. I think somebody made that up. But there's definitely a shot of her, you know, um, and and I was I was glad because I'm like you spend you spend that much money on shoes. I mean they're like Louboutins. Mm. I was like they better be seen. <laughs> yes. Was so was there anything you know with Bet? I was reading how you kind of had to gain her trust a little bit because she's so protective of the character in the movie. Um, she in the first meeting she was sort of like, "Who are you? And mm. What are you doing?" And then, you know, what I learned years ago, I worked with Robert De Niro, and um, we did a Men of Honor. And the character was based on a real person. And any question he had, we had the answer. Mm. Because I, I was very prepared for that. It was one of my, my third film. And I worked with Robert De Niro and Charlize Theron. Incredible. And I remember like being very prepared. So um, any question Bet asked me and anything that I showed her, she if she questioned, I'm like, eh. And I had a reference photo to it. I queued up the movie. Um, and I think that within our second fitting, we were best friends. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Did she or any of the other sisters kind of share things with you about 
their character's backstory that you as a fan were like, oh, wow, that's so interesting. I didn't realize that as you're kind of designing it. it you know, it was it was more like their memories of it and their memories of shooting the film. And that was the interesting part, you know, because yeah. it's, been, it's been 30 years. I mean, like, and Bets talked about, it, like, what actor gets to revisit a character 30 years from now? And being on set with them, you would have never, you had, your brain couldn't go to the fact that they didn't shoot this last year. Mm. They weren't these characters last year. They shot these characters 29 years ago and they just fell into it. I mean, it was, it was, again, it's like, I think the whole crew, I don't care how jaded you are and how long you've been doing this. The whole crew was just like, oh my God, we're working with these iconic witches. Um, and it was, it was just, you know, even the first time that Bet and Mick, Sarah was still doing it and just like that. So we had Bet and Kathy for their flame test and their camera test and their costume. It was October 13th last year, which is my birthday. Wow. Oh, what a birthday trip. And we were supposed to be done early and we were all going to go to dinner. And we didn't. We shot, we ended up shooting until like 10, 30 o'clock, almost 11 o'clock at night. And it was like, oh, I'm so sorry you missed it. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm hanging out with Bette Midler in my costume. It's like, I'm having the best birthday ever. Yeah, what a birthday gift. Can you do that every year? It's like, come on, we got to make that a tradition. That's so cool. Literally. If there, hopefully there's a Hocus Pocus 3 coming down the, the pike. I know that's a complicated feat, but you never know. I mean, it would take some genius writing, but I'm sure, yeah. you know, they could figure that out. Yeah, I got a pitch, Sal. I'm going to I'm gonna pitch you after that. No. So speaking of long Rhode Island nights that we talked about, you know, the cold Rhode Island nights when you're shooting, were there any acts of kindness that stand out to you on set from just people doing even simple things like giving someone a jacket or hot cocoa or putting was, out a heater? That, that was really the mom. Like, is everybody warm enough? You know, because sometimes like you're so in your brain that you don't like you're like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And like you have a coat. If we didn't have a coat on everybody, including the drag queens, we would yell, like, get them a coat. Get them. I'm like, we asked. They said no. But it was very sweet that she really is the mother. And she just took care of everybody. Aww. And like, do they need coffee? You know, and she was very attentive of, of the cast. Like, what do they need? Even like the background players, bring them a coat, get them some hot cocoa. Um, it was very sweet that you know, because a lot of actors are into them, you know, their own mindset. That was like, is everybody okay? What does everybody need? And it was very sweet. And it also kept us on our toes, like make sure that everybody's got an extra coat. Oh, I love that. Also, we, we, I designed the, you know, because look, who are we? I'm from LA and we're all on outdoors for West Hollywood Street Fair. And it's like, how naked can you be? It's like the tiniest, <laughs> the naked pirate, the naked witch, the naked, the naked. Yeah. We couldn't do that. A, it was a wholesome family movie, but B, we knew that it was going to be 30 degrees. And so not only did I have to come up with over 800 costumes, I had to come up with 800 costumes that were fully covered or they could mm. have layer on. So like if you were a mermaid, you had a full nude bodysuit with thermals underneath. Um, there was nothing that was exposed, I mean, except for the poor Supremes. But we really went out of our way to make sure that the costumes kept everybody warm for the elements. Mm, that's so brilliant. I love that you did it. It's so caring and necessary. And did you feel like, you know, with the Sandersons too, you mentioned the costume tests and, and figuring all that out because there is flying involved in the film. Were there any like big adjustments you had to make with the flying? Did that, that gossamer fabric you were talking about just like immediately nail it? Well, we, you know, we played with the fabric in our workroom and we walked we right around the parking lot at Western Costume. But it was that I have a video of the first time Bet flew in 30 years and the Cape just did exactly, I mean, like you hope it does it, but the fact that it did it on the first take, we were like, oh, there's applause because, you know, that hadn't been on a harness in 29 years. And there wow. we strapped her on at night and flew her. And we we're just like, it worked. It, the fact that everything worked, I mean, we did some minor adjustments to the coat, like 
because they were these like, you know, really heavy, intense um, um, harnesses. We had to then make her costume almost three sizes bigger. Mm. Like in the back, I sort of cut it up in the back and made zippers. We had to make the undergarment bigger to fit the, the harness. So that was really the only adjustment was about fit because we didn't know how, you know, which type of harness it was going to be. Um, and, you know, there was, an, you know, with shoes, like the, you know, Mary's shoes had these really beautiful buckles, but they had little um, uh, claws on them and they would get caught on her skirt. So mm. we filed them down. So there were little tiny adjustments, but as a whole, everything sort of worked. Oh, that's so amazing. I could pick your brain about Hocus Pocus too all day, but I got to respect your time. So I would love if you're down to move on to a surprise game. Okay. It's called the compliment game because we haven't given you enough compliments already. And basically, Sal, I reached out to some people in your life for a compliment or a loving statement about you. And I'm going to read it to you. And then you have to guess who said it. Okay. Everyone's beautiful in their own way. It's the compliment game on the A. Okay. It's the compliment. Compliment, compliment game. I will say right off the bat, both of them are from Hocus Pocus 2. And the first one's pretty obvious. You're not going to have any issues, but you can ask me yes or no questions. We'll say you get like three guesses. It's really, it's not going to be that complicated. It's just okay. that people are like, what are the rules? I need rules. Okay, so. This is your first one. And they're quite lovely. And these people got back to me right away. And these are very busy people. So it's just a testament to how great you are. Okay. Here's your first one. Salvador has a magical gift when draping actors in his creations. Even when recreating an established design, his attention to fabrics and subtle details add that same magic that makes it his own. Heck, he can even make a zombie look runway ready. <laughs> that's hard uh, there's a little hint been, in there could that have been Doug Jones it is it's Doug Jones our Billy Butcherson he yes. was so lovely I mean it, again you're not we, we talk about the iconic three witches Billy Butcherson and Doug I mean first off how do you just not love that man mm. they're talking about kindness he is probably the kindest human being I have ever worked with he is just love. He loves his fans. He loves this character. And he just came to work every day. And even in a pandemic where we're not supposed to touch each other, he hugged us all. Mm. And he is literally one of the kindest human beings. And again, being able to recreate and, and, and you know, he had he probably dressed up as Billy Butcherson, but to then put him back into that was just an honor and so much fun. Oh, I have heard that about him. He's so kind and sweet from what I hear from friends. And hopefully he's coming on here soon. But he must have just looked exactly the same. I mean, he's all of them look amazing, but he's the only one that just well, had a mask here's on. You know, a little interesting tidbit. Like, you know, they make molds to do the prosthetics and all of that stuff. Um, and Tony Gardner had the original molds. He said he did not have to redo anything. He used his original molds and redid all the special effects. Wow. Doug has not changed his body at all in 30 years. Thank you, Doug. That's yeah. incredible. And it was kind, of, and, and apparently they used the exact wig. Like they, they made it. What they had a double for the headless version, but mm. the wig he wears in the movie is the one he wore in the original movie. Wow. Yeah. I'm sure contractual stuff comes into play, but maybe, and maybe this is a dumb question from a noob. But why, you know, couldn't they just get the original Billy costume and then have you guys rework it to fit him? Like, what, what are the details there that are? It's just. Well, Here's the th everybody keeps saying like why didn't the reason first off the original costumes are 30 years old they're yeah. not built to last okay and they didn't have as many like i needed to have 
two for Billy and two for the stem girl. There weren't enough. Mm. And like, even if we wanted to use the bed, you know, there's, there's only the pieces. First off, Kathy's a different size. So she yeah. could wear them. The, the, the clothes are 30 years old. They wouldn't have lasted for six months of filming. Mm. Also, they're kind of archive museum pieces. Do you really want, it's like wearing the Marilyn Monroe dress. Do you really want us to take Billy's costume from an archive <laughs> and put it in the grave? I mean, there's, there's I mean, if I'm left. Kim Kardashian, you know, I guess I could whip out that Marilyn dress or, you know, right. Lizzo's playing saying, that I, flute. No. And, and I have to say, David was like, if you need to take the costume, take it. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm yeah. not taking that responsibility. Let me take lots of photos, but I am not. This is, you know, it's probably worth a million dollars. I'm not taking that costume. Oh, yeah. And he was like, take it. Yeah. I was a, a stand-in for Rami Malek on Night at the Museum. And when I put, he was like a mummy. When I put his mummified costume on, the director or somebody was like, that's like worth almost a million dollars. So just don't really move. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I have to pee. Yeah. That's no, that's amazing. And I'm saying that, you know, just out of curiosity, because I'm glad you you kind of redid everything and put your own spin on it. Because in this 2022 lens and these totally different cameras, it's just so much brighter and richer and, you know, it's perfect. It's just, I'm always kind of curious about that. And th that makes sense. So dumb question. <laughs> no, next up, you have one more. You actually got two because both people I reached out to got right back. And this one's really cool as well. This one's a little bit tougher. So I might have to give you a hint. Okay. But I'm going to read it to you and we'll see, we'll see what happens. Because I'm guessing a lot of people feel this way about you. Okay. To say that he and I had an immediate meeting of the minds, an effortless shorthand and joyous mutual eye for detail is an understatement. We became great pals and soulmates of sorts as soon as we met. It was my total privilege to work with such a consummate artist. <laughs> I know um, that this is Hocus Pocus too as well. And this is someone we haven't mentioned purposely because I'm now going to ask you some questions. Was it Ann Fletcher? No, it is. It's a performer. I'm just know. throwing out hints to you. <laughs> I mean, Kathy uh, uh, Najimy. No, but she did send no. like a whole page when I played this with David of a really fun story. So she seems really sweet as well. That's so vague. Um, it was a performer, performer. I know. Do you want, I usually ask for a hint, but this person's famous and really busy. So I'm sure I'm lucky I got this. I, I mean, well, everybody said Kathy. So saying, asking if it's Bet or Sarah is kind of redundant. Nope. It's so it, it she is related to them in the film, not like actually. Re well, maybe actually related. We don't know. But it is someone with. This is going to give it away with powers as well. Oh, I was going to say Hannah Waddingham. Well, Hannah Waddingham. <laughs> yes, it's Hannah Waddingham. Mother Witch. I, I adore. I mean, she was there so briefly. But I mean, yes, we were instant best friends. Um, <laughs> again, because it's like this was a new character. Um, she came in from, she was coming in from London. I got her measurements like a month before. Um, and then she, and I, I couldn't send her an illustration because of course NDAs and the studio didn't want to send it to, you know, we, I wasn't allowed to, cause like, what if it got lost in the email? Um, and she showed up and just loved the costume. Mm. Um, and our fit, you know, our fittings went on forever because she just had so much fun with it. And I really feel like she's an old friend that I miss her dearly. And she, every now and then I get a text from her. Um, you know, uh, she's, she was so much fun. And I, I am, I, my only regret is that she was only there for two days mm. and that we didn't get to see more of her. Well, people are championing for her to have her own like prequel or spinoff or something because of the yeah. presence she had and the look that you created her. I mean, she's so glamorous. Everyone should go to Sal's Instagram if you haven't already, because you share <laughs> these beautiful behind the scenes tidbits and videos and pictures 
which are so fun to see with her flowing, beautiful raven. Well, it's not a raven, but you know, the bird. It's a red winged raven. Oh, look at me go. Well, the cape you created, like, it's just so, I thought, perfect. What I was curious about, and I'm sure people have already asked this and maybe you've said it, but well, two things. Is the eye just like a link to book? The eye on her? The eye was a link to book. Um, Because that's that's a symbol, like I said, I use it throughout the film. It's on Mm. Becca, on Izzy, it's on Cassie. It's really my link to it. But it's sort of funny how, because the thing is, I had designed the costume. It was supposed to be a black bird. So it was a black cape. I wanted the dress to be red because I wanted to stand out in the woods and stand out from the three ladies. Mm. The eye was a symbol that I just sort of like playing with. Um, and then the cape was black. And then then Anne said, oh, look at this bird. It's a red ring waving. Can we add this detail to the costume? Like, great. Then it wasn't until we had the dress up on the mock-up on the stand that I'm like, oh, my God, did I design Danny? That's and what everyone's wondering. Like, we need to change it. it wasn't intentional. It was cosmic costume design. Like it wasn't my intent. But once we saw it, I had that like, ooh, is that do I need do I need to change it? Should I take off the <laughs> I mean, and then my crew was like, no, it's fun. The like, audience will love it. So it was not intentional. It was a happy coincidence. Mm. But it's even like, I mean, because it's like I look at the images of it and somebody posted this great meme of Danny doing this and, and Hannah doing this. And I'm like, oh my God, it's even like the shredded, she has that beautiful scarf. Yeah. And mind you, I made Danny costume because we, um, the shot of little Gilbert watching them disappear is not from the original film. We shot that. So wow. I had to dress an Alice and a Danny and a, and a, and a Max on extras to put in that scene. So I made the costume. I had a little version of that. Wow. And I was just like, because, you know, I'm with this one big workroom and I'm like, did I, did I go to, and you're like, again, you question yourself, like, is it too much? I'm like, oh, nobody's going to see that. It's fine. And then, of course, <laughs> to put it on the internet. Oh, these fans are so into it. But I think it's also a testament to you and the groundwork you laid, because I think you got there because you were so invested in the world and there's only, you know, a certain amount of colors within the spectrum and lore there. So I, I I thought it was perfect. I loved it. And she clearly had so much fun with it, the way she moved and it informed her whole character. So I hope we could see more of her in a Hocus Pocus 3. Yeah. I mean, would you, would you do it again? It seems like you had the best time. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's yes. Because I mean, but I guess the question is like, what would I do differently? Because I think, I mean, I could, I've now set the the, the precedent that they get new costumes each each, each movie. So they're going to mm. have to have another version of these costumes. Yeah. Oh, I heard they pitched a purgatory scene. So maybe the purgatory scene could be like a there devil wears Prada underneath. As opposed to them um, singing at the, in, the, in, the, in the music studio, it was going to be them performing on stage in purgatory. Ah. And I was supposed to do a gold version of the of them in co- in gold costumes, <gasps> and so we sort of started that process and started the sketch process, and they said no, we're not going to do it. We don't have the time or the money, and so I didn't get to go too very far with it. But I was like, that would have been to end the movie. And my concept was these like very Vegas version of their costumes in gold and sparkle, and I was I was really looking forward to that. But we didn't, alas, we didn't get to do it. We need to see that, even if it's just like a short bonus special. The audience was going to be um, all in red. Everybody was in red. And it was like all different historical costumes, but all in red. So 15th century, 16th century, 17th and all, all these dead people in red in the booze and then the ladies in gold on stage. Whoa! I mean, I love the the recording studio, but that is like next level cool. I mean, it sounds like almost 
did you ever see the Disney parade, the the light parade that they used to do? Because those were all like the gold lit up versions of the characters' costumes. Like Mary Poppins had the sparkly gold. I, I think that would be so incredible. Oh, I had not seen that. So I'm glad I didn't do it now. <laughs> no, no. I mean, they didn't have like Hocus Pocus or anything, but it was right. a similar vibe of just these fantastical, very regal versions of the costumes. So I, I mean, I hope somehow in some universe we get to see that. Again, I'm so grateful to have had this time with you and I would love if we could just close out our time together by you sharing a tangible kindness tip that you would love for listeners to take and incorporate into their day. Um, I, I believe, you know, every day you work, you know, we can, we work six and seven days a week. We have the same people every single day. I have made it a point to thank everybody at the end of the day, every day. I remember working on a show and I'm like, did you think, you know, I'm the designer, did you thank the crew? He's like, I thanked him yesterday. I'm like, thank him today. Mm. Thank you goes a long way. I think people, put their heart and soul when they work for you and just acknowledging that by saying thank you. It's a simple act of kindness that doesn't cost you anything, but it goes so far. I love that. You can't do this alone. Nothing we do in life is alone. Thank everybody. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. And honestly, you don't just talk the talk, you walk the walk because your Instagram is literally the whole gallery of, of gratitude. Every post you're posting from Hocus Pocus is crediting someone else who made, you know, Sarah's knitted web arms. Like you're giving people credit for everything, which is so special. And a lot of people in our industry don't necessarily do that. So I think that people forget that we don't do this alone. And, yeah. I, you know, like I get all the glory. It's like, oh, Sal designed it. But like, yeah, I had a team behind me and I want, and I, and I still need to do a post listing my entire um, uh, a crew, but not everybody on Instagram. So I've been trying to get everybody's Instagram so that I can post, but alas, some will not be Instagram. They won't have their hashtag. It'll just be their name. But oh. yeah, I, I definitely give credit to my crew because I couldn't have done this without an amazing team. I mean, my assistant costume designer in Los Angeles, Glenda Suarez, who erroneously was labeled as a PA. Um, I had two great seamstresses, Mariah McCormick and Jana Acevedo. And, somehow, and I another, had another seamstress called Jana Pedersen. Well, they only labeled, they listed Jana Pedersen and not Jana Acevedo. And it just kills me that, you know, Jana, who had so, her hand in so much of what we did, didn't get a screen credit. Mm. Um, so I need to do a post thanking my group. Oh, that's that's so much fun. I love, too, that you shared your own credit with the the scene we were talking about when they're doing the recording studio. And it says your name right next to Bette Midler. I mean, that's so cool. But it's also just so cool that you're giving credit to everybody. And we need more people like you in this industry who not only, again, are great at what they do, but are just good people and giving back. So thank you so much for being a great role model. Thank you for your time today. And thank you for your beautiful work on Hocus Pocus too, because as a fan, you exceeded all my expectations and more. And I can't wait to see what you do next. No, and I and I want to thank you because I I kind of needed to hear this. I, you know, um, Again, I, I was very daunted by this job. I was I was afraid to not honor the fans. And so to hear this, it just, I it's, thank you. And, you know, no, I mean, I love the original costumes too, but now I'm like, I, I see them in your in your designs and, and the beautiful texture you've given them and all the elements. And I think if there were a third, it would just keep building upon that. So I'm not just blowing, you know, magical dust <laughs> up your butt. I really, really love what, what you did. And, and I think it's so special. And I wouldn't say that if I didn't. So thank you. That's why I reached out to you. I'm so glad you were open to talking today. And again, best of luck on your new movie, your new Disney film. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, call anytime. I love talking with you. Oh, I would love that. Well, hopefully I'll see you soon. Great. Maybe on a, on a set or something. But thank you so much. I'm bad at leaving Zooms. So like the Sandersons, I will now evaporate into magical dust. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you Bye. Much. Bye. And now it's time for your kindness tip of the week. 
What a Halloween treat to have Salvador here and hear all the cool Hocus Pocus behind the scenes fun facts. I also have another treat for you all. She is sweeter than Sour Patch Kids. Well, that might be a bad example because Sour Patch Kids are sour and you're sweet. Well, they're sour sweet, gone. Anyway, my fiance, soon to be wife in less than two weeks. Ah, Cassie Carroll. Woohoo. I am here to deliver some kindness tips of the week. And of course, it has to be Halloween themed. So I have two for you. Oh, there's people outside our apartment. The trick-or-treating has begun. (laughs) One is to hand out compliments as you hand out candy. And yes, and but think about it. Um, A lot of people just say, I love your costume. But think about how to deliver like very specific compliments to your trick-or-treaters. Maybe uh, they dressed up as someone inspiring. And you could say, I love how you uh, decided to to dress as someone inspiring. (laughs) <laughs> what's a specific i see where you're going I see, no, 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 like no, an no. amelia Earhart. i love that you dress as this icon or you know if someone yeah. dressed up as... or I, i'm sure you're as smart as this person that you dressed up as you know yeah. what you know what i mean yeah instead of saying oh love your costume you look great or you know thank you for dressing up as that person they're really special and important and you're carrying their message around yes, and you yes. know they thank might be like seven that and that might go over their head and they might say mom and the yeah, mom yeah, might yeah, yeah. drag them away but you know it's but yeah, so it's think nice. about this actually came from a blog. I think it was called like Coffee and Carpools and they actually have printable oh. like compliments, but I thought take it to the next level, make it specific. Well, um, Cassie actually one time filled up a tin of compliments for me that I could pick out. Yes, that or, was when we were long distance. Yeah. Or did I do that for you? We might have both done it. I think it. we both did that for each other actually because <laughs> we're so sweet. Okay, Cassie right. has another one. I actually yes. don't even know what these are, but I okay. love the first one. Yes. Okay. So um, the next is to equip your trick-or-treater with the power to spread kindness by having them ask either like a teacher, a neighbor, someone in their life what their favorite candy is. And then maybe they can, at the end of the night, put some of that aside and give it to them throughout the week uh, to feel like they are also givers in this Halloween tradition. Oh, I love that. Thank you. I made that one up myself. That's a good one. Because, you know, at the end of the night, you always see what you got. You pour the bag out. You take your pillowcase. You pour it on the ground. And you count your candy. And it's a huge deal. And you want to eat it all. Right. But it is nice to. Yeah. Give them the power to also give and be in the position. Because one day they'll be uh, behind the door giving out the treats. But right now they are the receivers. So have them practice a little and make yeah. it personal. Teach your kids that. And if you are the kids, give your parents some candy. Because I feel like once I'm a dad, I'm going to, I'll probably just take it. Yeah. I can't wait to be Santa too and eat the cookies. I mean, these are the perks of parenthood. Yeah. I mean, we get to pass out candy for the first time this year with our apartment. Oh, yeah. Trick or treaters. So this is going to be a, an exciting year. Shout out to Hallmark. We have a special Hocus Pocus cauldron that all our candy is in with these nice skeleton hands that we're going to give it to the kids with. Yes, we're going to play I music. I don't think we have enough candy, but uh, we'll figure it out. Never be enough. okay i'm getting a little weird anyway we are gonna go take our wonderful niece harper to a special halloween on the green extravaganza yes a belated birthday uh for harper who was born on the 18th and then my sister courtney who was a halloween baby yes happy birthday courtney she is a spooktacular treat all year long yes so we're gonna go hang with the fam But anyway, I wish you all a very happy Halloween. I thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, please remember... Everything's going to be A-OK.
Sisters? <laughs> 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 Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 